Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Make sure to check out their self-pour beer wall and unlimited TVs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gore starts the windup. His 2-2 to Riley on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike him out with a slider. And it's a 1-2-3 inning for Mackenzie Gore. Striking out Val Olsen and Riley consecutively. Now the 0-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Tied him up with an inside fastball at 95. Running it on the hands. That's a good answer for Gore. Limiting the damage here at the top of the fourth. It was good. I mean, like, like I said before, the thing for me is getting him in the strike zone, right? And when, when he does that, he's got electric stuff. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, April 3rd, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast, and I am happy to say that we have our first Nats win, our first Curly W of the 2023 regular season. How many more curly W's that we'll have this season? Who knows? So let's savor this one. Let's enjoy this one. And this one is worth enjoying. The Nats avoided a regular season opening three-game sweep with a 4-1 win over the Atlanta Braves at Nationals Park on Sunday afternoon. And the story of the game, without question, the Nats' regular season debut of Mackenzie Gore. Off the news of Cade Cavalli, needing season-ending Tommy John surgery and Patrick Corbin lasting for just three innings in the Nats game one loss. And then Josiah Gray allowing five runs in five innings, including giving up three home runs in the Nats game two loss. You could say that the Nats needed Mackenzie Gore to pitch well on Sunday afternoon and pitch well he did. One run in five and a third innings, six strikeouts. You know, Mark, baseball is such a funny game. That's not breaking news, but Josiah Gray had a great exhibition season. Mackenzie Gore had a lousy exhibition season, although he did end it well. But the results for each guy in his first regular season start the exact opposite of the nature of his exhibition season. Go figure. Yeah. And um, let's go back. What did I say 24 hours ago? Maybe Tim can rerun the tape. I said they could really use a, a standout start from him that gets everybody excited again and gives his team a chance to win. You know, the best thing could happen in this game, Al? How about the lineup? Score a run or two early on. Give him a lead to work with. And maybe if he can get through the first or second inning clean, you're not putting your team in a hole as well. It's a tough lineup that he's facing. And what happened? Hey, what do you know? 4 nothing at the end of the first. Mackenzie Gore 
strikes out two in the top of the first and just goes to work after that. And you saw today why they're so high on him, why I know the other guys in that trade have gotten a lot of attention and rightfully so. And maybe it's just because he's had been hurt and hadn't pitched yet that we sort of glossed over him a little bit. It's entirely possible when it's all said and done that Mackenzie Gore is the best player they got in this trade. And that doesn't even mean the other guys won't be great as well. But you may have seen the first glimpse today of the guy who's going to be the number one starter of this team for the next five or six years. Now, you know, it's one game. I don't want to get too crazy with it, but I don't think this came out of nowhere. I think this is who he can be, who they have always believed he could be to actually see it in practice in a game that mattered against a very good lineup. That is among the most encouraging things we've seen around here in a long time. Well, if we're going to pat ourselves on the back for things that we said on Saturday, I did say to you guys off the air after we were done taping, one run in six innings. Can Mackenzie Gore give us one run in six innings? He didn't quite do that, but he did give us one run in five and a third innings. Yeah, but we don't have tape of that. We have tape of me predicting what was going to happen. We don't have the tape of you, unfortunately. That is true, but both you and Tim know the truth about that one. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, man, you know, it's so funny and... There are so few good things to cling to right now if you're a Nationals fan, right? So it's like when you get these things, I mean, you almost like overreact to them, right? I mean, this was one run in five and a third innings. Like this was not Strasburg against the Pittsburgh Pirates on June 8th, 2010. At the same time, it almost feels like that because we're like starving for something like this. And we got this. And it just is funny to me. Gore did not have a good exhibition season. He was very down on himself. We've come to learn that he is hard on himself. And yet he goes out there against one of the best lineups in baseball, that of the Braves. And he does a really good job. So one run in five and a third innings, six strikeouts. He generated 13 swings and misses. If you go by the StatCast data, Gore was at or above 95 miles per hour on his four-seam fastball numerous times. He only gave up three hits. All of them were singles. If you want to pick at some nits, well, he issued four walks and the pitch count did get up there. 93 pitches over five and a third innings. But geez, I mean, there was a lot to like. He looked poised. He looked in control. He did not look like someone who was a mental mess. And at times he did come off that way during the exhibition season. I mean, even in the inning in which he gave up the lone run that he allowed in the game, top of the fourth, he gave up a run on a leadoff walk, a Ronald Acuna Jr., a two-out single by Ozzie Albies, and then a two-out RBI single by Travis Darno. but also for Gore in that inning, swinging strikeouts of the Braves' numbers two, three, and six batters, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and Marcelo Zuna. So even in his quote-unquote worst inning, Gore did things that made you say, wow, that was good. Right. And that was the moment when things could have started to go downhill. He's facing the lineup the second time, leads off the inning with a walk, and then he falls behind 2-0 on Olsen. And then a subtle little thing happened right there. Cabert Ruiz went to the mound. All the rest of the infielders all came in as well. That was interesting. Davey Martinez said from the dugout, right before that moment, he turned to Jim Hickey and said, do you want to go out there? And before they could even decide whether to do the mound visit or not, Ruiz already was making his way out. And Dave said, okay, good. Let him take this. That's a great sign from a young catcher taking charge. And then what happened from that moment on? Three straight strikes to get Olsen, strikes out Riley. And yet two singles after that, they weren't like rockets. And it's not like he let that in and get out of control at all. And I even thought, I was a little surprised that Victor Robles didn't try to make a play at the plate. I thought he had a shot. 
at it. And maybe it's a sign of the maturity that Robles isn't with a four-run lead going to throw the ball to the backstop and let the inning devolve into something worse. So maybe it was the right call. But then after all that, he goes and strikes out Marcelo Zuna as well. So that, to me, is the key inning of the whole start for him. And that's what a frontline starter does. You're not going to be perfect all the time. You're going to have your bumps. You're going to get into jams. Can you minimize the damage and get out of it? And in this case, he showed that he can do that and he can do it on his own with swings and misses and not have to rely on the guys behind him, even though the guys behind him were very good in this game as well. They were. Uh, regarding the Victor Robles scenario that you just brought up, Kevin Franzen on Masson had high praise for Robles not throwing home in that moment. And Franzen, in fact, highlighted that moment as uh, a sign of maturity, perhaps, for Victor Robles. So that was notable. You know, where you are drafted and where you are ranked in the prospect rankings, you know, only means so much. And you certainly can't take those things as gospel. But when you talk about ceiling, it certainly does appear as if Mackenzie Gore, out of all of the Nats young slash promising pitchers, you know, Josiah Gray, Cade Cavalli, even, you know, you dip down to the minders of Jackson, Rutledge, etc., it may well be, it certainly would appear that Gore has the highest ceiling. This guy was the number three pick in the 2017 MLB draft out of a high school in North Carolina. He entering the 2021 season was the number six prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline. He was a top 10 prospect in the sport. Now, the last few years, things have gotten a little weird. He has dealt with injury. He has pitched at the majors with mixed results. You know, as you may recall, when the Nats got him uh, in the mega trade of Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the Padres last August 2nd, Gore was injured at the time. He was dealing with left elbow inflammation, and he ended up not pitching for the Nats at the major league level last regular season. Now, he did make four starts for AAA Rochester last September, but he had an ERA of 525 over those outings. So, you know, you combine that with what happened this past exhibition season, I don't know that anyone knew what to expect from Gore on Sunday, you know? And and you were kind of like holding your breath, especially off, you know, all the bad things that have happened with Nats pitchers recently. Like, was he going to get shellacked? Was he going to be okay? Was he going to get hurt? Like, you don't know. You've come to expect the worst as a Nats fan. Like, you've been conditioned to think that. And so to see him go out there and pitch well was good. And to the degree that he does get on himself and is hard on himself and can be guilty of, you know, the paralysis by analysis, I would think this is really uplifting. You pitch like this against, again, one of the better lineups in the sport in that of Atlanta. Yeah, I think so. It's funny. Davey did say it, and maybe it was that inning where it was starting to go bad on him. He said there was one time he came into the the dugout at the end of the inning, went down the tunnel and threw a ball against the wall a couple of times in some frustration. So he does still have that in him. Look, he's a competitive guy and that's fine as long as you channel it the right way and you don't allow it to affect what you're doing on the mound. So, you know, in some ways you like to see that, but yeah, I mean, how can you not be encouraged? We just talked about the strikeouts of Olsen and Riley. He did that twice in back-to-back first inning and the fourth inning doing that struck out Acuna in his final inning, the sixth. He threw a 90 mile an hour slider. That's what it registered as for one of the strikeouts, I want to say that was the Riley strikeout in the fourth inning. This guy has got some serious stuff. And you combine that with the mental approach and the competitive drive. And again, you're seeing why he has been so highly touted all along. Now, he's got to prove it start to start. He's got to show he can stay healthy and do this over a long period of time. But as frustrating as the last eight months were, and it's eight months to the day, of when the trade happened before he finally made his debut. It was frustrating not to get to see him last year. It was frustrating to go through the whole spring and wonder, okay, is it going to be all right or not? The light came on. He went out there against a good team 
and he showed exactly what he can be. And so that to me is as encouraging as anything. And it makes me all the more excited to watch every five days when this guy pitches this year. They're not all going to go this well, but maybe some of them are going to go even better. I think over time, Davey Martinez may loosen the leash a little bit, let him try to pitch out of that sixth inning. I, part of me inside was like, man, just let him do it. Let's see if he can handle it or not. Davey said, no, you know what? We wanted him at 90 pitches. No reason to push him right now. It's kind of like what they did with Josiah Gray last year. There's going to be more of that this year. They're going to watch his innings count. But it's hard not to watch this one and not be encouraged at the possibilities here of what he can be. You can follow the Nats Chat podcast on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. Tim Shovers loves to put out these time-sensitive polls for which the results are always skewed via recent events, okay? And he did this right after the game on Sunday. He asked the question, since the new era of Nationals baseball, so since the 2021 MLB trade deadline, it was Sunday, was this Mackenzie Gore Nationals regular season debut the number one day so far? And as we are taping this installment of the podcast, 89% of you are saying yes, 11% of you are saying no. Now, Those results say a lot about a lot. I mean, one run in five and a third innings, and we're calling this the best day for the franchise in basically two years. But you know what? It's on the short list. I mean, there haven't been many other exciting days. This is kind of like when we had fun with the contract extension for Kate Ruiz. It was like, hey, uplifting news. Let's enjoy this. Here was a promising development, uplifting news, let's enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, there was a time in which this was called, you know, just another outing for a national starting pitcher, one run in five and a third innings. And in fact, it was disappointing because the guy only lasted five and a third innings. So standards have been altered, but still great job by Mackenzie Gore. I was about to say, you know, think of the starters who've been here in the last decade and how many of them we said, man, he couldn't even finish the sixth. What a disappointment that was. So yes, the standard has been lowered, but that's all right for now. And each time he goes out there, maybe you can raise the bar a little higher and maybe he can keep exceeding it. Hey, are you a law firm partner or associate stuck in the minor leagues like Joey Fourbags Manessis? Your employer might be holding you back from your true potential. Maybe another law firm can get you what you need. More money, better support, better client contacts, or a better brand name. You need a better agent. You need Mason Kalfas. Mason Kalfas, he started Zenith Legal in 2015 to be the best legal recruiter in the nation, and he has succeeded. He has placed partners and associates at over half of the largest 100 law firms in the U.S. He specializes in working with lawyers at major law firms and government agencies such as the DOJ and SEC. Like Joey Menezes' big breakout, Mason Kalfas can help you identify what you really need to accelerate your legal career. He will work with you to find the best law firm for your practice and negotiate you the absolute best deal, a deal worthy of a superstar free agent. The legal market still is very strong. There's no better time than the present to think about making a move. You need to call Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal. His number is 202-486-3535. Or you can check out his website, zenithlegal.com. He has a team of recruiters across the country, but you will get tons of personal attention from Mason. It's time to launch your career into the upper deck. Call Mason Kalfas today. Go Nats and go Joey. Hey, Nat Chat listeners, Tim Shovers here, producer and founder of the podcast, here to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to your favorites shouldn't be so stressful. That's why you should look into the game time app. 
It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, Game Time offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now the pitch. Swing and a drive in the air to right center field. Harris moving back out of the warning track. Has a play. Steps up. Makes the catch. Runners tag. Coming down the line from third is Smith to score. Over to third goes Kbert Ruiz with call. Back to first base. It's a sacrifice fly to deep right center field for Luis Garcia. And he drives in the Nationals' fourth run of the inning with two out runners on the corners. Nats four, the Braves nothing. This game was another game in which the Nationals ended up barely hitting. And watching the game, initially, you said to yourself, wow, this may be one of those days in which the Nats do hit quite well. A four spot in the bottom of the first inning. It was great to see this. But as the game went on, the Nats basically did next to nothing offensively. And You know, if you look at the nature of that four-run first, and hey, beggars shall not be choosers, right? The Nats are struggling offensively to begin this season. You know, it sure seems that offense is going to be an issue this season. But the Nats put up a four spot in the bottom of the first on a couple of singles, then a walk, then another single, then two walks, and then a sack fly. You know, again, station-to-station baseball, manufacturing runs, etc. Like, no, there wasn't a three-run homer in a four-run first. But The Nats did put up those four runs. The offense went basically silent the rest of the game, and yet they ended up 
holding on to win. The Nats, though, in this series, over these three games against the Braves, a team batting average of 211, a team on base percentage of 298, a team slugging percentage of 278. There were some moments here and there. There were some good things here and there. And again, nice to see four runs in the bottom of the first. But man, the offense, it's not going to be a strength. At least it doesn't profile to be one this season. No, it doesn't. And I believe it's two for 19 with runners in scoring position for the whole series. They didn't even have a runner in scoring position after the second inning in this game. So the four run first, it was great. The things I did like about that, there was some aggressiveness. The three singles all came on either the first pitch or the second pitch of a bat. And there was also patience when Jared Schuster, the rookie making his debut for the Braves, could not find the strike zone. You had the walks, including back-to-back with the bases loaded. So, hey, take advantage of that. Clearly, that kid was a little rattled in his major debut. Nice to see that somebody from a different team, from a good team, can actually struggle and maybe let the moment become too big for him, because we've certainly seen it happen to the Nationals. But I will admit, as this game was playing out, I kept thinking to myself, They pulled that guy off the mat, number one. And number two, they have allowed the Braves to stay in this game. And man, if they end up blowing this game, I would not be surprised by it all. And it wouldn't have ruined what Mackenzie Gore did in the big picture. That's most important. But you know what? They needed this win for their own, you know, self-preservation. If they had blown that game and been swept, that would be a tough pill to swallow. So they needed this, but we need to see more from this lineup. I get that they're not going to hit for power. It's going to be a struggle. But you had an opposing pitcher on the ropes. Their bullpen was up and running in the first inning. And Schuster actually ends up going into the fifth, hardly allowing anything else. And then they did nothing against the Braves bullpen. And it's not like Brian Snicker was going to his A bullpen in this game. It was the B or even C bullpen. So that was a little bit frustrating. You'd like to see them try to sustain something offensively when you get off to such a good start like that. Yeah, I just don't know how realistic it is for this offense to have stretches of quality play this year. I mean, over 162, you're going to have a week or two or three in which you hit well. Like, that's the way that a season works, as we all know. But, like, by and large, I don't know realistically how you say to yourself, hey, this offense is going to come around. You know, like the phrase that Mike Rizzo loves to use, hey, he'll do as he does on the back of his baseball card. You can't say that this year because these guys, the backs of their baseball cards aren't very impressive. A number of guys coming off down seasons, a number of guys who do not have track records. I mean, you know, Jamer Candelario, who had a nice game and we can get to him, but he's your number three batter in this game. He had a terrible season last year. He's your number three batter. Dominic Smith, who has not been that good the last few years, he was your cleanup batter in this game. I mean, that's not a lineup that, you know, slaps you in the face with, hey, fear us. You know, like you look at the Braves, right? Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Albies, like that's how they start off the top four. With the Nats, you know, it's a much different story that's being told there. Now, that said, you mentioned the Nats being aggressive early in counts. We certainly saw that from Lane Thomas. Thomas ended up having actually a pretty good series. He, in this game, was back to being the Nats' leadoff batter, two for four with a couple of singles, uh, each of which was a first pitch single. That was good to see. I mentioned Candelario, so he went one for three with a double and a walk. Now, the double was a high fly ball that landed in uh, essentially like no man's land in left center field. But he also had a walk uh, to load the bases in that four-run first. And how about some of the defense on display from Jamer Candelario, including this, top of the second, an excellent defensive play on a two-out full-count grounder by Marcelo Zuna, a nice backhanded catch in foul territory, and then a one-hop throw to first base for the out. Candelario on the backhand with a terrific play from foul ground and able to make that play across on one hop to Smith to retire the side. 
Candelario wound up making that throw from deep in foul territory. This wasn't like, oh, he's technically in foul territory. Like, no, this was deep in foul territory. This was shades of, you know, the human vacuum Brooks Robinson in the World Series against the Reds decades ago. Candelario, that was a really good play. He can play some third base. Yeah, I picked up on that this spring, watching him for the first time in drills. I didn't really know much about the guy, I'll be honest. I Detroit Tigers are not a team that I get to see a lot or follow a lot. And I had a sense of what kind of hitter he could be. Obviously, gap-to-gap power, led the American League in doubles a few years ago. I did not know what kind of defensive third baseman it was. But watching him in spring, there is a fluidity and a smoothness, especially charging in and making the bare hand throw, which we also saw from him in this game. He did that very well. I had not yet seen him make the backhand play behind the bag and the strong throw to first. So that's really good to see having a sure-handed first baseman in Dom Smith makes a big difference as well. You saw some outstanding defense in this game. Outfield defense has been good the whole weekend. The infield defense, as we know, was not so good. Game one in particular, it was really good in this game. Luis Garcia was smooth, turning double plays, starting a big double play when Mackenzie Gore was pulled out of that jam. But Candelario, look, he may not be Anthony Rendon or peak Ryan Zimmerman, but I think he's going to be a good, solid third baseman who makes plays for you and bails out his pitchers. And we got a, a chance to see some of that in this game. You mentioned Luis Garcia. He did uh, get thrown out on an attempted steal a second base off a leadoff opposite field single to left field in the bottom of the fourth. The first stolen base attempt for the Nats this season. We're seeing a lot of teams across the majors run quite a bit. The Nats thus far have not been running quite a bit, even with the bigger bases. Now, you know, with this moment in which Garcia got thrown out on the attempted steal, I thought this was more just a great throw by the Braves catcher, Sean Murphy. He threw a bullet to second base. It looked like Garcia got a pretty good jump. He did the thing where he tried to slide like around second, you know, toward like the center field side of second base. I don't know. I feel like Garcia actually did a pretty good job there. Murphy just made a heck of a throw. Yeah, I'm giving more credit to Murphy for that. Garcia, he doesn't have, he doesn't look the best when he runs. He's got the kind of choppy feet, doesn't glide on the base pad. So, I don't know that he is the one that they're going to look to for stolen bases, but they want to be aggressive on the bases. The thing was, they just haven't had that many opportunities. They haven't given themselves very many opportunities in these first three games. So it's not like there were chances for somebody else to do it. They should. If Victor Robles keeps drawing walks the way he has, Lane Thomas keeps getting on base the way he has, I think there should be some opportunities for them to run. It just hasn't happened yet. But yeah, I give Murphy credit for that one. That guy... Really underrated move by the Braves. He's a great catcher for the A's. Atlanta picks him up and bolsters what was already a strength for them. That guy's going to be really good, I think, for them this year. The national starting shortstop on Sunday afternoon was not C.J. Abrams. It was Ildemaro Vargas. Uh, He was a Nats starting shortstop and number seven batter, 0 for 3. Now, Abrams, of course, in game one of the series, 0 for 4, three years. Game two of the series, 0 for 3, another defensive miscue. But this was not a benching of Abrams, correct? Correct. Davey said this was planned from the beginning. You know, combination of you want to give a guy like Vargas a chance to play, don't get cold by not ever being in the lineup, and a chance for C.J. Abrams to take a day off, observe from the dugout, stand alongside Ricky Gutierrez, their new run prevention coordinator, and watch the game through his eyes and pick up some things along the way. I know why people will look at this and say, oh, look, he already benched him after two games. Well, no, it was the plan. It was against a lefty, probably knowing that going in, that was the reason for it. He'll be back in there on Monday. And 
he and Garcia are going to start 150 games plus this year, provided they stay healthy. This isn't going to happen a lot, but it was a calculated move on Davey Martinez's part to do it for this game. A mental break, as Davey Johnson used to give guys. Is that what this was? Yeah. And... Because of the injuries and all the other problems they've had here over the last few years, I think Davey Martinez hasn't been able to do that as much as he would like. Davey Johnson and Dusty Baker would do this as well. He would say, I don't care how good you are. You could be Bryce Harper. You're getting at least one day off a month. And they had the luxury of doing that because that team was so deep and usually fairly healthy. Davey Martinez has not had that luxury to say, give Juan Soto regular days off or Josh Bell regular days off when he was here. We'll see how this plays out if he does have the ability to do that more. I think any manager would say, in today's game, you don't need to play 162. You're not proving anything to anybody. The days off do help physically and mentally. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Everyone loves a smart investment, especially right now, and there is no better place to put your money right now than in your home. If your home is 20 years old or older, Window Nation has the perfect offer for you. Get 0% financing for five years. This is unheard of, zero interest for five years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Protect and increase the value of your home today. Get this special deal. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You can save up to 30% on your energy bills. You can increase the value of your home by up to $12,000 and you can pay zero interest for five years and get two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. There is no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and then save thousands of dollars on your energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, zero interest for five years plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Candelari off third, Smith off second, Ruiz off first, the pitch, and call takes, change up high and away, ball four, and another run, walked across the plate, back to back, bases loaded walks as Candelario scores, Smith to third and Ruiz to second, it's the Nationals three and the Braves nothing. The Nats starting left fielder on Sunday afternoon was again Alex Call for a second time in three games. Uh, Corey Dickerson was placed on the 10-day injured list on Sunday morning, left calf strain that he suffered in game two of the series. The Nats were called outfielder Stone Garrett from AAA Rochester. So we were supposed to get the platoon, right, of Call and Dickerson and left. Do you think we're going to get a platoon of Call and Garrett, or do you think left field now is Alex Call's job? I think it's mostly Alex Call's job. Now, they're both right-handed, so you can't really do a platoon there. That was the idea behind the Dickerson and Call one. Garrett will get his opportunities, I'm sure. They didn't just bring him up here to sit on the bench, but he is less of a known quantity, not that Alex Call is a known quantity at this point in his career. Stone Garrett is a physical specimen. When you see him, he's going to be bursting through the jersey. Looks like he should be playing middle linebacker instead of left field. When he gets a hold of a ball, he hits it a ton. But 
as uh, we go back in the day, think Willie Mo Pena, perhaps of a similar physical type. And yeah, he could hit a ball a mile, but he also swung and missed a lot. That's the issue with Stone Garrett. Good start at AAA. It was four for eight. Let's see. I'm sure he will get his opportunity. But the way Davey described it, at least for now, it's probably Alex Call's job most days. And let's see with Dickerson. It didn't sound like a big deal, but he had the exact same injury last year with the Cardinals, a left calf strain, and missed a month. So let's see what happens with this one and an opportunity here for Alex Call. But like we said, we haven't seen a lot of him since he joined the team last August. We don't really know what he's going to do if he plays on an everyday basis. And then one more on the position players, and then we'll get to the bullpen. I was a little surprised Capert Ruiz got the start on Sunday afternoon. Usually, you know, day game on a Sunday, you rest the catcher, right? The catcher who's your number one catcher plays two out of three games, that kind of a thing. No, Capert was out there starting catcher, number five batter, uh, had a couple of walks, including a bases loaded walk. Many surprise. We didn't see Riley Adams. You know, last season, Riley Adams, it felt at times like the team went out of its way not to play him. And here you had, you know, what seemed like a, a normal routine opportunity to play your number two catcher, and the Nats did not do that. So a couple things there. This is me inferring it. I didn't actually ask this. But number one, I'm betting that Davey wanted Ruiz there for Mackenzie Gore's debut. Number two, they did have the off day Friday in between opening day and game two. So it wasn't like it was three consecutive days. I could see that being part of it. I do think provided good health that Cabert Ruiz is going to catch as many games as almost anybody in the big leagues this year. He's young. He is the future. I think they view him as a workhorse catcher who can catch 120 games a year. Let's see how he holds up through all that. I would guess with a three-game series coming up against the Rays, a day game on Wednesday, I'm going to guess that Riley Adams will start Tuesday, the middle game, and then Ruiz would come back and start the day game after that. But we'll see. But I do think he's going to not just catch a majority of games, but an overwhelming majority of games this year. Yeah, the Nats now do not have another scheduled off day until April 13th. So now the season kind of really gets going here. You've got three games against the Rays at Nationals Park. Then you have an early season West Coast trip, four games at Colorado, three games at the Los Angeles Angels, and then back to Nats Park for a homestand. So the Nats bullpen in this series, overall nice job, very good job in this win on Sunday afternoon. Four Nats relievers combined for three and two-thirds scoreless innings. Hunter Harvey faced one batter but got two crucial outs, came to the game, top of the six, runners at the corners, one out. Nats nursing a 4-1 lead, induces a 4-6-3 double play off the bat of Ozzie Albies. Then Erasmo Ramirez, scoreless top of the seventh. Carl Edwards Jr., scoreless top of the eighth. And Kyle Finnegan off not looking good in game one of the season, looking quite good in the top of the ninth on Sunday afternoon, a perfect top of the ninth for the save. So the A bullpen on display and getting the job done. And what I liked most about it was no real drama at all from that. As I said, the lack of offense the rest of the way after the first inning left me worried that they were going to maybe find a way to lose that game. And thanks to the efforts of the bullpen, that never really was in question. The double play by Harvey huge and interesting that we saw him do this last year as well. Davey put Harvey, who's got the best arm of them all, in relatively early in the game to get a big out in the sixth inning. He gets the double play and then that was it for him. Didn't bring him back for the seventh. They said, okay, that's fine. Maybe that schedule coming up helped him make that decision, as we said, with no off days coming up. And then Erasmo Ramirez, who we tend to think of as you know the long man or the guy who comes in when the starter gets knocked out early not high leverage late inning guy. Well, he got the seventh in a tight game and that was good 
to see that they would trust him in that spot. He threw 10 pitches. All 10 were strikes. Carl Edwards, the last member of the bullpen to make an appearance this year, he actually got the heart of the lineup or the top of the lineup, which for the Braves is probably their best part of the lineup in the eighth, got through that without any real problem. There was a a walk. And then Finnegan, no nonsense in the ninth. So, I mean, you put that all together, that's a good formula to see how you can win a game four to one. We know they're not going to score a lot of runs. So when they do get a quality starting pitching performance, this is what they're going to have to get out of their bullpen in this game. It all worked to perfection. Very much so. I mean, it's hard to anticipate a lot of 9-8 slugfest type wins. So if you're going to win, it's going to be 4-1, 5-2, you know, 3-2, that kind of a thing. And it adds to their credit, did that on Sunday afternoon. Good pitching, good defense, and uh, just enough offense, certainly in the bottom of the first inning, to get the job done. The crowd for this game was the lowest of the three games in the series. Official attendance, 21,000. 440. We were talking about this off the air after Saturday's taping. Going to be very interesting to see the attendance figures for this upcoming series against the Rays. Now that you're through all the uh, hazari of the uh, beginning of the regular season, a weekday series while school is still in session against the Rays, who, yes, are perennial overachievers, but you know are not the sexiest team in the majors. Uh, I think those attendance figures will be telling. Yeah, I'm going to make another on-the-record prediction here, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong about this one, but I've had a hunch for a while this is going to be true. I think Monday night's going to be the smallest crowd in Nationals history. The previous record, 9,261. It was last year, a Tuesday, April 19th against the Diamondbacks. It was game one of a doubleheader, so a rescheduled game from a rainout. So that number might not even been exactly right because you had some people turning in their tickets or not showing anything like that. Prior to that, they'd never had a crowd less than 10,999. That was back in 2010. A Monday night in April against the Rays is when you find out what your season ticket base is. I'm guessing there are not a lot of single game tickets, people specifically buying tickets for that game. And so we're going to get a sense now of just how much that number, the season ticket base has dropped. I do believe it's going to be four digits. I think it's going to be the smallest one we've ever seen. I understand why that's the case. Fans have every reason to not want to invest in this franchise, given what's happened the last couple of years. It's up to the guys on the field and the people in the front office to turn this thing around and give everybody a reason to want to uh, buy season tickets again and keep turning out. But I have a hunch that we're going to get a real dose of reality on Monday night and throughout the series with a very small crowd. You know, That record may be a record that is set and reset multiple times this season. I mean, I think we know the nature of this season. And you think about when we get into the latter stages of the season, like the Nats have a three-game home series against Oakland in August. Like, what might the attendance at Nationals Park for those games be? But, you know, it is what it is, as the saying goes. And one thing about the Nationals in D.C. that I always give the fan base so much credit for The Nats' attendance numbers have been strong for years now. Even last season, the Nats ended up being a top 20 team in the majors in attendance. So even in what was a wretched season, the Nats still drew some fans. Now, look, you know, some of this is opposing team fans coming to the games, but whatever. The numbers are what they are. And so, you know, I've always felt like Washington, D.C. baseball fans deserve credit for that. But no doubt, I mean, the scheduled starters for the Nats over the first two games of this series against Tampa Bay – Trevor Williams, and then Chad Cool. Like the record could be set on Monday night and then Tuesday night for your Chad Cool Nationals regular season debut, the record could be reset. Like we don't know. Okay. So it's, you know, it's probably going to be one of those scenarios. But 
Very nice to see the Nats win. Very nice to see Mackenzie Gore do as he did. His next start will come in the uh, rarefied air of uh, Colorado when the Nats have that four-game series at the Rockies. So we'll see what goes down with that. But um, they needed this. I mean, you don't want to over-dramatize game three of a regular season, but the team needed this. I think the fan base for like psyche purposes needed this. And, you know, I think Gore probably needed this too. Yeah, this was exactly what they needed on this day. And you hate that it would be in that case already for game three of the season. And you hate to put that on Mackenzie Gore's shoulders, but the shoulders were pretty broad on this day. And that was a really good sign to see. And it just let everybody walk out of the ballpark feeling good about themselves, feeling good about this team for the day. You know what? One and two against the Braves, not the worst thing in the world. And here's the best news. They don't face the Braves again until June. They're already now three of their 13 head-to-head matchups for the season are over with. We're going to see a lot of teams now from the American League, from the other National League divisions. I think there's only one other series against an NL East opponent, the Mets, later this month. Otherwise, it's all out of the division. It's a very different look. And I do think in the long run, when we look back on the season, it's going to benefit the Nats not to have played so many games in the division. They've already got three of them now out of the way and wasn't always pretty. Not saying that's acceptable the way this went, but if you said at the outset, they'll win one of three against the Braves, I think we would have taken that, right? Absolutely. And one more item here. Two hours, 17 minutes, your time of game on Sunday afternoon. The game one loss took three hours, eight minutes, due in large part to uh, Mr. Corbin throwing 85 pitches over three innings. But game two, two hours, 21 minutes. Game three, two hours, 17 minutes. The early results with the pitch clock have been tremendous. Major, major reduction in average time of game across Major League Baseball. At the risk of planting the flag of victory too soon, I mean, to me, this is working. I I don't see how this is going to all of a sudden stop working. Like, I think this was a great job by MLB, by the commissioner, Rob Manfred. I know he takes a lot of grief for things, but this to me is a win. Major League games should have never regularly taken three hours, three hours plus. That you can play a major league game like this on Sunday afternoon, two hours, 17 minutes. I mean, this to me is appropriate. And I don't think it like lessened the quality of the game or anything like that. You know, it felt like you were watching, hey, this is the way baseball used to be. There was a time in which two hours and change was normal and that we can get back to that in 2023. I think it's great news in terms of growing the game. Yeah, a pitcher's duel should be sub two hours and 30 minutes. I think that's an appropriate thing. I'm okay with games taking a little longer than that if there is more drama, more offense. The only thing, and thank God it hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it will here at some point, though. I just don't want to see a tight game decided late because of a violation. I get these are the rules. Everybody's got to adhere to them. It's probably going to happen at some point. It's going to cause a bit of an uproar. Hopefully, it's not that big a deal. I think the fact they did this all spring has allowed everybody to get comfortable with it. It's not a huge adjustment right now for everybody. So that's the only thing. We haven't really seen it yet. Maybe we'll see it in some other game coming up. I just don't want there to be a bottom of the ninth you know, clock violation that changes the outcome of a game. Yeah. And, you know, if there is, though, I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world. And you're not seeing many infractions. So if you're not seeing many infractions now, I tend to think you're probably not going to see many infractions because it feels like now would be the time to have the infractions. As people get used to this, you would think that the rate of infractions goes down even further. We'll see. I mean, it's a, you know, we can't say anything with certainty, but so far, so good on the pitch clock. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast. Natschatpodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor, 
the Dat Chat Podcast. You can sponsor individual episodes uh, this season. Email Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. That email address again, Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram as well at Nats Chat Podcast. You can get yourself or someone who you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating. If you haven't yet done that, the ratings help us out a lot. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com, and Newmark is spelled N-E-U-M-A-R-K. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Grab all. Great play by Robinson. Look at oh, that. Oh, great day in the morning. What a play. Well, he does it. Big game. Watch this play. 33-year-old Brooke Robinson. Going to his right for this one. He goes better to his left than the right, but how can you beat this? And getting the ball away off balance and still there, even though on a bounce.